Welcome to the Dental Money Lounge, the place where dentists can tune in to grow their money, wealth and financial knowledge. Here are your hosts, Hassan Mushaid and Max Bazzucchini. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Money Lounge. I'm Hassan Mushaid, one of your hosts, and I have with me my usual co-host and partner in crime, Max. How are you, Max? I'm very well, thank you. Buonasera, everybody. And today we have another special guest who we have been looking forward to having on for a while. I can tell you that he is Mr. Hugo Barton. How are you, Mr. Hugo Barton? Uh, great. My Italian's not as good as Max's. <laughs> uh, uh, but but, but all, all I can say is, yes, I, I'm looking forward to our conversation this evening. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, so if most of you who are in the dental industry are probably aware of Hugo. He's been helping dentists for for a number of years now uh, with his uh, legal firm. But for the people that don't know Hugo, Hugo, can I get you to introduce yourself and, and what you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I'm a director and I'm a lawyer at uh, Healthcare Law and we're based in uh, London, uh, Canterbury and uh, near Bristol. And we deal with uh, dental clients and health care clients in general throughout sort of England and Wales and uh, uh, I personally have got 20 years experience of uh, dealing with dentists with uh, buying and selling their practices and, and all of their sort of legal needs so that's a bit of background and uh, I deal with the commercial side of things in terms of commercial work and also the property work. Okay, yeah, so you deal with quite a lot. Just knowing you and looking at your, your services on your website, I can see that you cover from purchasing, selling to clinical issues or, for example, um, dealing with the GDC and disputes and other, other, other areas. You, you cover quite a lot, so you must, and, and, you, and you do, uh, have the experience of various situations, really. Uh, and, and I think today we would like to discuss the area of buying, really, buying and selling. And, and, and I think from your experience, you'll know how long the buying and selling processes take, which we sometimes for, for young first time buyers who are not familiar with, with the whole business side of, of dentistry, they, they might not have the insight into the, the processes. Could you share with us how long would it take for from the initial conversation with yourself and getting the right team behind you to then actually successfully acquiring a practice? Could you share that experience uh, with us? Yeah, I, I, I suppose starting with the, the, the reality, I suppose, transactions t tend to take a certain amount of time. So for instance, six months, uh, a year isn't unheard of, and but it can be shorter, so it can be as short as two, three months if it's a private practice, let's say, so without a, an NHS contract. But generally, most of the people who will be listening today will probably be interested in a mixed practice, i.e. it's part private, part um, NHS. And by that, I mean a GDS contract or general dental services contract will be in the mix at the uh, practice. And one of the, the points about having a GDS contract is when the practice is bought, you can't technically transfer or sell an NHS GDS contract. And so there's a procedure where a partner at the point of exchange and, and uh, is, is added on uh, by applying to the NHS and then 28 days to a month is roughly the normal amount of time uh, that the NHS local area team should respond and that then uh, usually 
results in them coming back and saying, great, we've added you on as a buyer and you and the seller go forwards at completion with the seller taking a very, very minor uh, partnership role for a month or two. So the reason I've mentioned that is that 28 day month period is from exchange to completion. So that immediately adds a month into the transaction. So that's one month yeah. and then pre exchange, you've got uh, to to your lawyer if you're buying has got to look at the practice look at activity statements i.e you know in terms of the nhs contract uh, where the udas or units of dental activity are up to as to whether they've been performed pro rata so they're on target by the end of the uda year and then looking at the private side of things where where things are up to with that as well and along with everything else to do with the practice as to whether it's okay with the cqc or whether there are any issues there and then in relation to the property lining up something like the lease now the lease which we'll come to at the end uh, I, I imagine in more detail but generally if you've got a, a, an assignment of a lease with uh, a landlord that's uninterested uh, in the sense that they're being paid rent by the current seller they may take some time to deal with you as a buyer going on to the lease uh, okay. with an assignment and that that's that's one of the big issues in the preliminary period as well you've got uh, dealing with getting getting the bank uh, finance together and or deed of gift or some form of support for the whole practice purchase from maybe parents so and then you've got searches which are just like when you would buy a house or a flat uh, they're things like checking at the local authority whether there's planning permission etc all of these things should be going in parallel, uh, and I should shouldn't forget the DBS yeah. testing as well. So that is part of the CCC yeah. application, which is the one Max is itching to poke me on, <laughs> uh, which is that uh, that the DBS thing should be done as soon as possible, so there aren't any delays. And really, at a very early stage, the CQC uh, application is made so that uh, the buyer. Is moving towards, uh, you know, being put on as the, uh, you know, the responsible person dealing with the practice. So no, you're absolutely right. This the CQC process can take 11 or 12 weeks. So if this is not done at the very early stage, can extend the process by two or three months quite easily. So you know, you know, we meet up quite often and we we we, we meet at regular events or we have when we have some deals that we're working on. And you, you basically touched the three main con the points which can cause delays in, in the sale of the practice. NHS contract, lease, and CQC. Absolutely, spot on. Yeah, they're, they're, so they're, they're, the, they're, they're the, main, the main issues. So I think the corollary to that is, is if you don't have an NHS contract yeah. with a, a buyer, and you have a straightforward, let's say, freehold purchase from the seller, and you've been organised with your CQC stuff, and potentially you've you've got got going with your application more or less uh, at a similar time that you've started the process with uh, offering uh, to buy the practice with the agent. Then really, you're looking at sort of getting under the six months. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you should be a lot quicker. And so so you know that that's the the way to do it quickly. You're right, and partly, well, we have a, as as a as a broker and a valuer myself, we also have the responsibilities to take to market practices and when they're absolutely ready to sell, because especially in this current trend, the longer a practice stays on the market and the more vulnerable they become to price reduction and price chipping and and, and buyers volatility. 
So, for example, we are now talking to a, a practice seller uh, and we've been talking over for, for over a year and a half. So we are preparing uh, practice owners to come to market when they're absolutely ready to sell with the lease in place of 10 or 15 years as opposed to two or three years. We're also advised, for example, if they are planning on selling shares in the limited company, we also advise to register the company as a provider with the C2C prior to sale and not during. So this can be done. There are certain things that can be done before even entering the market. But am I right, Hugo, to say that as well as NHS contracts or leases or CQC, when you are dealing on the other side, if you are working on behalf of a buyer and you, um, and you are dealing on the other side, the sellers and the seller's lawyer are using the services of a non-dental solicitor, is this going to add another month or two or three to the process when they're no experience with the dental market? I think that's uh, generally the case because what they're going to do is they're going to try and second guess things, which here you've got about half a dozen sort of parallel tasks that you both sets of lawyers and both sets of clients need to be getting on with so so really it's you know for, for use using your normal you know fam, family lawyer is is probably not advisable as it's quite specialist absolutely yeah, absolutely makes sense so what was your longest deal then if you remember and why were the things that went wrong to make it longer right yeah well i would go back to what we were talking about uh, off air as it were i suppose number one would be a case where for instance the seller isn't actually wanting to sell it sounds counterintuitive and that could be a case where a a, a bank um, has been chasing a seller uh, you know a, a dentist where they've been in financial difficulties and they may want them to ostensibly try and put the uh, practice on the market to yeah the bank loans and in that case then effectively the seller's trading water so that's unusual and and counterintuitive more more normally um you can have a, a longer time period generally you're going to have issues in terms of the extra months if people haven't been prepared with the cqc and the dbs stuff or there's fitness to practice things lurking in the background of the buyer or potentially the seller so but but they're generally fixable there's been an issue and they can be dealt with within within a month or so the main one that I suppose causes the issues is is the com is probably the commercial lease where it's there's one or two years left with the seller on the lease. They think they're saving money by leaving the lease to run to its almost its natural end. Then almost at the last minute, they then approach try and approach an agent to try and push it onto the market. I mean, that's economic to a certain extent. But for a buyer, if they approach a landlord who is not the seller, so this could be a, a local authority, the NHS, or a, a, a purely uh, commercial landlord, then, 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 and if the rent is already being paid by the current seller, then they're under no great time pressure to, to consider you, other than they do have legal precedents where they're meant to deal with uh, your assignment relatively speedily, but actually, if you're starting to negotiate new terms for a new lease, which may be required by a bank, then there are no time uh, restrictions on the landlord. So, so the difference there is, if you take an assignment of an, you know, a lease that has 20 years to go, and it and it's fine with the bank in terms of its terms, and it's fine with you as a buyer, 
then then they must move when you push them in terms of the lawyers and the, the landlord but in terms of a new lease being granted that maybe is a different term or a different rent that you're trying to negotiate as a buyer then it takes on a whole new deal as it were and there's no time pressure and it's simply just free floats so that that is a killer one because there's no legal compunction on, on the landlord dealing with that in a speedy way okay uh, can you instead think about i'll give you an example i recently sold a fully private practice in just under eight weeks but that is obviously it's very unusual and it was about a couple of months ago but also happened a couple of years ago so we did a deal in seven weeks from yeah. the initial meeting to the actual deal completion mm -hmm. uh, can you remember a your shortest and most memorable <laughs> deal <laughs> that you've done and how long did it take uh yeah it, it, was, it was along those lines about two two months and again it was private and it was where <clears throat> there was a share sale and uh, in that case, there's, where there's a share sale, the, the practice entity, which could be ABC Dentistry for argument's sake, it, to the landlord, the, the actual tenant hasn't changed. You just change the personalities inside the company entity that holds the practice. And that doesn't need to be notified to the landlord. So you avoid a whole one month or two month, three month time period or whatever it is with the landlord lawyers and landlord. So it's a scenario where the share sale, then the, the lease is, uh, is in the name of the target company, as opposed to as a business sale where it's in the name of the sellers. That, that's right. So a share, a share sale can have its advantages with, let's say, landlords who aren't the quickest. So, so we definitely can move things pretty, pretty quickly along. Okay. What would it be, if in, in your experience, your top tips for preparing a, a buyer or a seller for a dental practice sales from a legal point of view? From a legal point of view, I would, uh, and I always suggest to my clients that uh, they, they, they will often give you warning unless there are some dire circumstances, but they will normally give you warning that, you know, they're going to sell at uh, the beginning of 2019. So for instance, today I've had a meeting with uh, a long-standing dental client which is potentially going to be a sale next year or the year after so you can see that the level of proactive activity that's a kind of practice and we would start our heads of terms now so that to the dentists can start getting in order their tax advice so they know a reasonable exit uh, strategy for their tax and a personal level people want to leave a practice often in a good state and in good hands. So there's a proper successor sort of process going on and and also deal with the property side of things. So really they they can get in hand any stuff relating to to the property. So they can start, you know, thinking about getting a, a new draft lease organized with any landlord or if they own a freehold for the practice, then they can start thinking about how, you know, what form of lease they're gonna draft and what sort of terms they'll be happy with. So really, it's all of the stuff that often can get pushed into the first one or two months of a transaction, if it can be all done six months before so that the dentist who's selling knows what they're doing, then they can move fairly quickly in terms of actually the sale process. So that, that's my top tip is to almost start preparing a draft set of heads of terms 
you know, months before. Yeah. So that all the information which takes weeks to gather from accountants, from financial advisors, uh, and they've had time to think about it rather than it all being pushed around at just the time that there's a buyer interested. You can also um, get the lawyer at that stage to look at the title uh, so that there aren't any nasty gremlins there. Start preparing due diligence or at least give uh, the forms to the seller so they can start the process going. And that, in a way, is is uh, like from the world of convincing some uh, sort of decade ago, is like a hit pack. So in a way, getting a pack ready way before it's, it's on market or or, or about that time. Yeah, I, I can yeah. see there's quite a lot of trade here um, with preparation really more than more than anything else, just preparing for the sell. And even when, you, when you're buying again, likewise, you have to prepare yourself for the purchase, even lending yeah. as well, yeah. So and, I, and I suppose you want me to talk about the purchase side of it as well. And, and I, I suppose similarly, if the purchase coming to it, I think they really need to take the time to take a whole day off or half day off to see accountants, yeah. uh, they will know they will know the shape of uh, a deal from some like Max. They'll know the price, and they need to, they need to sit down and, and talk to the bank that potentially lending to them. And if they're going to need an injection of capital from the bank of mum and dad, and yeah. then, then they need to deal with that, and whether that's going to be dealt with by way of deed of gift, and you know really the implications of all of that have got to be looked into, and the DBS. Uh, yeah check check sort of set off yeah so i think again there's a lot of processes there which are really you know um almost a month or so before they actually make themselves ready to put in an offer yeah i mean i think yeah i definitely think it's important for me to mention this so if there is anybody who is considering buying a dental practice or looking to sell their current practice do get in touch with hugo or max to prepare well in advance because you will it will save you quite a lot of headache uh, and delays really so get the team behind you to make sure the whole process is smooth from the start really yeah and, and i suppose the, one of the most basic things which i think is something that uh, for dentists particularly is to make sure that your tech tech and communications are up to speed and it sounds an odd thing to talk about in a time where we all have mobile phones yeah. but but actually is be really clear where you have a half day off a week and and if you're going to buy a practice or you're going to sell a practice then you need to almost make sure you get a locum in either either way because it 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 is a time intensive process that needs some administration and you need to be able to speak to your advisors in in a sort of timely way to keep the, the speed of the deal up so so in a way you've got to actively pursue it and it's more than buying a house it's it's you know it's probably five five or ten times more intense as a process yeah. in terms of time so so getting a decent email decent printer at home so you can scan stuff uh, and i know it sounds odd but actually making time for the transaction when suitable for your advisors as well yeah so 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 that's actually a massive key part to keeping the tempo up with the deal okay well hugo you've been around as you said 20 years plus <laughs> in, yeah. um, in in the dental world and you probably recall talks of NHS change in dentistry that have been going on for now seven, eight years. I remember <clears> we were talking about these changes when we were selling our group ADP to IDH and we did this in 2011, so seven years ago. 
Uh-huh. So then to practice owner of NHS practices, things the margins are going to become tighter and tighter in their practices. But do you actually see any changes happening in, in, in NHS dentistry or is there still on the horizon but never going to materialize? What do you think? Well, uh, <laughs> I know it's not the easiest of the questions. No, no, no. It's, 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 uh, it's a tricky question for a lawyer because um, we like to stick to stick to our uh, our um, share purchase agreements and leases and things. Having seen uh, the the pilot study uh, done a, f- a few years ago that's been going on, yes, I, I think uh, speaking to some of the people who are involved and listening to some of them, obviously there's a, the government wants to save uh, money. Money's a key theme, and the gist of the pilot study was obviously that uh, there would be more input from let's say hygienists and less less sort of recall to actual things like fillings and the use of actual intervention if by by the uh, sort of dentist so practices would have much more um, input from hygienists and 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 maybe less need for dentists so that 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 was seen as uh, potentially a solution so i suppose if you are trying to future proof your dental practice I suppose you've got to have sufficient rooms at your practice to allow you to maybe be in a position to adapt to a model where you need uh, quite a few rooms above and beyond simply having a dentist there so I think any new model is hinting that you need a practice where you have the ability to house uh, with chairs for for, for more than one or two hygienists Yep. So it's, it's 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 a flipped model. Instead of two or three dentists and a hygienist once or twice a week, it's several hygienists and a dent and a dentist. And it's, it's a, the models flipped around a bit. But you need more room in your practice to go with the with that sort of model. So the advice is to get ready for the change rather than uh, start the revolution if the change arrives. <laughs> Otherwise, we see forty-one thousand dentists marching. In, in in Trafalgar Square, like uh, just happened for the Brexit, <laughs> the money for a Brexit vote, which is yeah. interesting. I was looking at the figures of forty-one thousand, and I I just had a thought comparing the uh, UK population. It's very very similar to the Italian population, but there are I don't know if you know, but there are approximately thirteen thousand less dentists in the UK than in Italy. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I I, I don't know much about the Italian model, but I'm sure you do, Max. I do have uh, 54,000 registered dentists um, in Italy, but that is another podcast <laughs> altogether. <laughs> well, so it, it's very interesting um, you, you, what you're suggesting about preparing for a potential NHS change um, well, as you have an insight. Um, and, yeah, and, uh, and, and while well, you know, you prompted that out of me, that, that response, but I suppose if you are a dentist uh, you know, looking at buying a practice, or you are currently in in, in situ in a practice, um, then 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 I suppose if you've got a lease uh, with a landlord, um, you know that you're sort of dealing with who is not the seller or not not yourself. You need to think about how easy is it for you to sublet rooms. So so if you need adaptability and the ability to change with a changing payment model. So if it moves to capitation or whatever. Then, yes, yes. then, then, then you need to have the ability in your lease in something called the alienation provisions, which sounds terrible. It sounds like Star Wars. <laughs> Basically, it's the, the ability to sublet a room 
or assign part of the um, premises so that you can potentially have in and charge some kind of rent to, let's say, someone um, doing Botox or laser treatment. Uh, so you have the ability to adapt and change going forwards. And so you need to be clear with your solicitor. And this, again, one of the reasons to have a specialist lawyer that also is competent in terms of commercial property, that you've got the capability to sublet rooms without having to go back to the landlord uh, every time you need to do it. So you've got utter flexibility to maybe choke, uh, cope with seasonal change and changes in fashion with, you know, healthcare, beauty, all the rest of it. Yes, yes. you're right. I've seen uh, leases, in fact, as we discussed before, of course, approaching the end uh, of their term. But there are also some of the main issues related to the lease uh, when uh, there are leases which prohibit charging, for example, or some that uh, do not allow use as a dental practice. Some have been trading <laughs> and you only notice this when a new buyer come into, come into the game. So, of course, it's, it's vitally important to have a, a commercially switched on lawyer. Also, if we go back to the NHS contract, as well as the usual and the performance issues, which there are issues in terms of price renegotiation and deal structure that um, we, we discuss quite often when, when buying and selling NHS contracts. There are also points to notice, for example, where there are change of control clause in NHS contracts and yeah. lawyer experience like yourself will know where they are and what to look for. Uh, yes, uh, and, and you know, that's, that's something you need to uh, one of the things you need to make sure of is that uh, you're, if you're uh, selling, you need to get hold of a copy of your GDS contract so it's available for your buyer to look at, as that obviously has um, implications uh, on, on a share sale, let's say. Hassan, anything you want to ask? No, I've actually learned quite a lot, really. I've just been <laughs> quite learning from Hugo uh, and from yourself, Max, to be honest. Uh, you, you, there's oh. a lot of stuff for me to learn from, from you guys. We had no questions. I'm a student in this, in this podcast. Well, as you mentioned, uh, when we always talk, we are in a permanent uh, beta status, which yeah. is we are constantly learning and evolving and improving. And um, I hope that our listeners tonight to our podcast learn from the experience of Hugo. I, I always enjoy talking to Hugo when we meet um, uh, the usual shows, dental shows. And we are actually, um, we're both Kentish residents. <laughs> Um, yeah. So we I always enjoy talking to Hugo. His, his knowledge is uh, very vast. So thank you for being on the show tonight, Hugo. That's very kind. Thank you, Max, and uh, thank you, thank you for um, inviting me. Yeah, I mean, again, likewise for Max. Thank you for being on our show. And there's 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 more to learn. I'm sure we can just keep talking for hours, and I'll just be listening and learning really pretty much from from both of you. But thank you for being on, on the show, Hugo. Anybody out there who would like to get in touch with Hugo to see if he can help you with anything, please do contact him on 0203 282 776. You can also visit his website, which is healthcarelaw.co.uk. Hugo, thank you again for being on our show. You've been an amazing thank guest. Thank you very much. And thank I'm you very much. And I'm sure we'll have you back on, really. We need to kind of extract a bit more knowledge from you. But yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely have you back on. And that's it for tonight's show. Remember to tune in next week again on a Wednesday and please remember to subscribe to our podcast and we'll keep bringing you valuable guests on our show who can provide you life-changing knowledge and experiences to make sure that your business life is, is a smooth life. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see you guys next week. A word from our sponsors. 
The Creative Composite, dental marketing which helps you grow. The Pluto Partnership, where professionalism meets confidence.